1: It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson.
2: Hello everyone, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progression Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey.
0: And I'm Dr. Davidson.
2: So today we're going to extend our conversation last time we talked about male testosterone hormone replacement for testosterone for men today we're going to talk about testosterone for women which is you know still a pretty popular topic in the world of hormone replacement in general testosterone certainly comes into that and there's uh, you know some things that we don't really quite really agree with which is of the reason why we're going to do this and then what women should know when they are seeking out testosterone therapy or if they're already receiving testosterone therapy uh, some of the unwanted side effects that come along with that.
0: So with testosterone therapy for females, of course, you would wonder, well, what's important about testosterone for females and why is it low to begin with? Well, we all have the same hormones, of course, and men have a tremendously large amount of testosterone compared to females, but us females need a little testosterone as well. And you notice testosterone dropping down, not just with menopause or with the hysterectomy, but you actually can see low testosterone in women in their 20s and thirties and forties and fifties. So you can see it all over the board. Now granted on a separate little caveat here is if you are on birth control pills, that does naturally reduce down your testosterone. So that is one side effect of birth control pills. But in terms of women without not on any birth control pills or not on, you know, hormones, you do see a lot of low testosterone amongst all ages of females.
2: Yeah, now, the, you can say the other thing on the, on the opposite end of that spectrum, too. For women that are menstruating, you don't want to see high testosterone, especially if they're making their own. That's a whole other discussion. What we're talking about, testosterone therapy for women in the perimenopausal to menopausal range. Uh, you could probably give testosterone to a, a younger woman, a menstruating woman, but you'd want to be kind of careful with that, wouldn't, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, you would. But, you know, I there are lots of women, me, young menstruating females, and you test their testosterone, it's a little bit low, and they also have the symptoms of low testosterone. Especially, and even athletic females, you would think that they would have high levels of testosterone. A lot of times, sometimes they don't. So it really depends on the person, because if you look at the reference ranges when you're doing a blood test for females, reference ranges are huge. Like, they go from 2 to forty five you know, for a total testosterone and the free testosterone is 0.1 to 6.5. So it's such a vast range that everybody falls into range unless you have polycystic ovarian syndrome and you're making too much testosterone as a female. So that's where you take into consideration, is it on the low end of normal? And then also, are you experiencing symptoms of it? Now, one important aspect of testosterone replacement or, you know, looking at testosterone for females is it is not a reproductive hormone. We talked about on that last podcast, men and their low testosterone. Testosterone for men is a reproductive hormone. For us females, it's not a reproductive hormone.
2: Yeah, testosterone for women is more of like a, kind of an accessory sex hormone, right? It's more about estrogen and progesterone, uh, maybe a little DHEA, and then testosterone is kind of a, a minor component. Uh, it doesn't play nearly the role that testosterone does for men. Obviously, men are kind of driven by one one main hormone. Women, it's more of a balance between uh, the estrogen and estrogen, progesterone. And you. if you look at the female cycle on a monthly basis, there is a peak of testosterone that happens right around ovulation. But again, that's just kind of more of a, an accessory to the other two, two main hormones. Uh, now let's, uh, let's kind of go into a little bit of, you mentioned some of the symptoms. What would a, you know, depending on the age of the woman and you know, a lot of the symptoms are the same regardless of the age, uh, what would be some of the common symptoms or what are some of the common symptoms that you see most of the time?
0: So what's so interesting about that is a lot of the common symptoms are related to the same symptoms that you might see in adrenal fatigue or adrenal insufficiency, which we've talked about and and we have blog posts on and whatnot, because I do consider testosterone for females almost like an adrenal hormone rather than the reproductive hormone. Um, We make DHEA through our adrenal glands, and DHEA is an androgen, it's a male hormone like we talked about on that past um, podcast, but DHEA can convert into testosterone so that's one way that us females make testosterone. Of course, DHEA is highest when you're young, and it comes down with time. But when you're under a lot of stress or you have adrenal insufficiency, you can have lower levels of androgens. So hence, you see the testosterone level lower in females. So a lot of those symptoms, like I said, mimic that adrenal fatigue which or adrenal insufficiency, which would be the motivation, the mental energy is just isn't there. The ambition isn't there. Libido on females with low testosterone cannot be present as well and then there's you know a lack muscle mass that's why men have tremendous amounts of testosterone they have a lot of muscle mass even if they're couch potatoes they still have more muscle mass than us females which is why they don't get osteoporosis and we do but mainly i would say in terms of the sort of characteristics is the mental energy the mental fatigue that is what they have when i when i notice women that have that low testosterone
2: yeah sure certainly like you said busy a woman's uh, she's working she's taking care of a family she's you know running around she's doing all the things that have to be done on a daily weekly basis and cortisol goes up testosterone's going to go down uh, and then of course, like I said, now these things start to manifest and they go to their doctor and their doctor wants to put them on birth control or an antidepressant or something. Uh, and really none of those things really fix it fix anything. Uh, now let's, we'll get into the types of hormone replacement a little bit. I know that you and I are on the same page. There's some types for that are fairly becoming fairly popular for women that we don't really agree with at all. What are some of the benefits of testosterone? I know, You mentioned the symptoms, I'm saying the benefits. What are the benefits of actually using testosterone?
0: Well, of course, it depends on the female, because like you had mentioned, you give fellow testosterone and they're on their way. Us ladies, we're a little bit more complicated. I guess you could say we're a symphony of hormones, or men have one main instrument, but... With that said, I would say with the, the benefits on that is definitely uh, more motivation. I do notice that females, when you give them testosterone, they have more motivation in that mental energy, their decision processes. So for example, with low testosterone, you know, you ask a female, do you want A, B, or C? And they'll kind of hem and haw a little bit. You know, well, I'm not really sure. What do you think? Or you decide, don't give me any more to deal with. Where, you know, when you replace that testosterone in a female, they'll know exactly. I want B.
2: Right. And, and it, of course, you said a few minutes ago, I asked you what the symptoms were. You said low motivation. Of course, if you give someone testosterone, their uh, motivation is going to go up. So, I, you know, and it, even you see the same thing in men, right? You give them testosterone, they have this kind of generalized increase in well-being. Their brain just feels, you know, the sky's a little bluer, the sun's a little brighter. Uh, you know, it, things just kind of open up a little bit, which I think is a, a very nice thing that people sometimes don't realize, especially women. Uh, now, certainly women that are uh, athletic, Working out, going to the gym, trying to maintain their weight, trying to lose some weight. Uh, testosterone can certainly play a role in the the benefit or the uh, the results that they achieve in the gym. Sometimes, like you said, too much exercise, and now that motivation goes, and now you know maybe a little overtraining syndrome. When you would expect maybe they would have higher testosterone levels, and now it's on the lower end, and that can be a very it's certainly in men too. And they're marathon runners, triathletes, they're exercising like crazy. A lot of the CrossFit people uh, now you test their their androgens and their you'd expect them to be high but they're on the other end of the other end of the spectrum that's not necessarily because maybe a cortisol driven response which is why they end up being low because there's just not enough time rest recuperation and you know pretty soon the body starts going the opposite direction
0: well i had mentioned of course us ladies are complicated you do see and a good percentage of females when you treat them with testosterone is a rise in that libido you know rise in the sex drive
2: Yeah, I don't think that, uh, uh, certainly, you know, that's what, you know, men want, or they take testosterone or seek out testosterone for the same reason. I think the same thing still happens for women, but maybe to a little bit of a lesser degree. You can't just flood a woman with a bunch of testosterone and expect her libido is going to go through the roof. I think it does help. But as we said a few minutes ago, it's still more about the main hormones first, unless she's still menstruating, right? You give her a little bit of testosterone and it might actually be a nice little a little boost on the libido side libido for women seems to be a lot more of a complicated discussion or more of a a little more of a complicated problem to solve um than it is for men men seems like it's a little bit uh, like you said it's a there's a one, one hormone uh, that you have to really worry about. You fix that one, and the rest of it kind of takes care of itself.
0: Yeah, so that could be a whole other podcast is talking about female libido and how to kind of work on that, because there's all sorts of tricks up our sleeve on that as well. But in terms of the testosterone, as you had mentioned, there are so many different ways to dispense and treat and dose testosterone with females. And I wouldn't say that I don't agree or I have these, you know, negative thoughts about other treatments that other doctors do. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody responds differently to different treatments. And that's why it's good to have sort of an eclectic mix. But with um, women, we don't need a lot of testosterone. And I know in theory, and I see this all this time with patients coming into my office, is they, if they're already on testosterone or they have been, they're usually on too much because the theory, you know, you'd take these continuing education classes, you go and try to learn all this stuff, is the theory really does end up seemingly giving women way too much
2: testosterone. Yeah, the dosing regimens, a little bit for a woman goes a very long way. Now, let's talk about that for a second, because I think that is one of the key things why we wanted to discuss this. I had a patient recently from San Diego, was seeing another doctor, uh, was receiving weekly injections of testosterone. She was receiving that for roughly about three months or, or maybe a little longer than that. Uh, got a blood test back. Blood numbers were high. We'll talk about those reference ranges in a minute. Started experiencing some symptoms. We'll talk about those as well. Reduced it down. Cut the dose in half. Still receiving weekly injections. Still, both doses were still way too much. And the the side effects of the testosterone was you know were still present. That's what we were talking about. A little bit goes a really long way. You don't need to give women these huge amounts of testosterone because the consequences of that are you know not few, but there are certainly things that women don't want to experience.
0: Yeah, because you think about, well, one thing I think that's that I find with testosterone, just like we talked about on the last podcast, you're giving men these injections, they get a whole bolus of testosterone, then you just have to wait it out if it's too much. And then a lot of times it converts to estrogen for men. For females, you give us too much testosterone, you know, you're going to have these androgen-like effects. That's where the acne comes in. That's where the hair loss happens. I mean, I've had women that have had injections or pellets. Pellets are very common for females too, which is kind of harsh because you think you put in a pellet of testosterone. If it's too high, you just got to wait it out and take. and, And I have so many women that have been on different antibiotics for their skin because they're waiting for this pellet of testosterone to finish up. So... But, well, you know, you see that the acne, the hair loss, also the testiness, you know, you get testy, you get irritable. When you see too much testosterone in a female, they tend to get irritable. With men, too much testosterone, I don't no- necessarily notice them getting necessarily grumpy or anything with too much testosterone. They're more, men are more grumpy with too low a testosterone, you know, so, but women will have be Irritable. They'll have acne. They'll have the hair loss. And then one thing that women really don't like, because you think about hormones. You're giving somebody hormones. What are hormones? Hormones are steroids. If you give somebody too much testosterone, a female too much testosterone, it's going to act like a steroid. And I see a lot of puffiness and a little bit of weight gain when women have too much testosterone.
2: Yeah, I think that women blame estrogen and progesterone for weight gain. Uh, Now, certainly with birth control and some of the old types of hormone replacement that are not really used that much. Anymore. I mean, some doctors still use them, but we certainly don't. Um, But you're right. With PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is on a lab test, you might see an elevation to testosterone and or DHEA. Insulin resistant kind of drives that bus a little bit, but it's you know in some ways androgen induced weight gain. Same thing as you said. If you give a woman too much, she might put on some weight as a result. You know, which certainly. The, getting the weight to come off is always the battle. The last thing you want to be doing is taking too much of something and it's, you know, it's causing what you're trying to fix.
0: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Us ladies never want to take anything that's going to cause weight gain.
2: Uh, so let's let's summarize those uh, the side effects of, of testosterone therapy for any age of a female. Granted, again, I think there's a fine line there, but how young and what situation that, if a woman's menstruating, you have to be, I think a little careful as how much you give. You give too much, you're gonna disrupt the female cycle and she's not gonna menstruate anymore. When it's done endogenously, when the body makes its own, that's what we were just talking about a second ago with PCOS, when a woman is uh, towards the end of her reproductive years and she's no longer menstruating, then it becomes a little bit more of a easier conversation because you don't have to, you're not interfering with anything else, you're already usually giving a woman estrogen, progesterone, um, and then you're adding in the testosterone as uh, kind of like a a nice addition to uh, what they're already doing. Uh, so you mentioned hair loss, so like male pattern baldness.
0: Yep, in the temples especially, you'll see that temples where it's it's thinning in, and it's also thinning on the apex of the head, which would be the top of the head. Very common.
2: Yeah, the patient that I just had from San Diego, she was a little bit upset because that's what happened to her. The weekly injections, way too much. The first a series of injections she was getting was 200 milligrams, which... You know, is for a woman is a lot. They reduce it down to hundred. She's still having issues. Uh, hair loss on one side of her head was the main issue. Uh, hair growth, right? So, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, a mustache. You know, maybe a little bit of hair on the oh, on
0: the chin, on the chin and the jaw.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. I think a little bit of. I think women do develop a little bit of peach fuzz as the years go on. You know, they get to their mid forties. You know, early fifties. Yeah, we've all
0: got a little. You know, a little hair here and there. But when you get the black coarse hair that you're not necessarily used to, and they're plucked or I've had women, and honestly, it's once you make that hair follicle on your face, it doesn't go away.
2: Yeah, right, yeah. So uh, the coarse dark hair is usually androgen-driven, right? And DHEA can do the same thing. You give a woman too much DHEA, and we've uh, talked about this many times. When you go to the vitamin store in your local community, you're only going to find 25 milligrams of DHEA. And for a woman who's susceptible or sensitive, 25 milligrams can usually be too much, where you and I usually give, you know, uh, 5-10, 10 milligrams daily, or maybe up to 20, 10 twice a day, or more than more commonly, we like to give five twice a day. And that usually seems to be pretty well tolerated. Like you said, you're trying to have a nice little boost to testosterone or DHEA. You're not trying to really drive that number up too much.
0: Yeah, and, and one side with the um, hair loss, once you do stop that testosterone or you're not getting those injections or pellets, it does grow back on the head. So it doesn't ruin the hair follicle. But once you grow a hair follicle on your face, it's, you can soften up that hair, but the hair doesn't go away. <laughs>
2: Right, right. Well, and the last thing that any woman wants certainly, certainly, she doesn't want to grow any hair, uh, you know. But the last thing she wants to do is lose any hair. <laughs> Men can get away with losing their hair, but certainly women, that's uh, you know a little bit more of a traumatic experience, you know, to seek out a therapy for the right reasons and then have this you know cosmetic side effect as a result. to kind of a, uh, it's almost like not worth it at that point. But like I said, it does grow back, and that's where again, a little bit of testosterone is good. We're just trying to have a nice little, uh, a subtle effect, not trying to flood the body with too much. Now, you mentioned pellets a few minutes ago, and that's one of those kind of, quote-unquote, controversial treatments. Explain what that exactly means, you know, putting the pellets, uh, inserting pellets.
0: Just like we had talked about on the previous podcast, you know, men will take a pellet that has a bunch of testosterone in there and cut in your butt and shove that pellet right in there they do the same thing for females
2: yeah right so there's an incision made uh, into this into the skin and right into the subcutaneous fat the and pellet is shove just, it right
0: on in and then
2: there's a you know you have to stitch it back up you know it's just a small incision it's got to heal. it's a little bit of a it's just a minor in-office procedure it doesn't take very long it can be a little painful they kind of numb the area a little bit and can cause some problems because the area where they put it which is right on the upper outer side of your fl- of your rump uh, you know, you're sitting down a lot, you know, in the car, in the chair, on the couch, uh, you can, if it's not positioned properly, you can create a little bit of stress and strain in that area, and sometimes the wounds don't heal or they, they kind of become aggravated.
0: And it's meant to last for several months. You know, every three months you get that put in, some people every three to six months, depending on what your levels are. Now, granted, with a female, when you do a pellet, you do too. usually it ends up doing too much because you're trying to get it to last for three months, and so they have all these side effects, but there's nothing you can do. Except weighted out, which, like you had said, the hair loss, the hair growth, and then the acne. Acne is very common.
2: I've seen a lot of the, the more so with the, the facial, the oily skin and the acne with the pellets more than anything. And like you said, once they're in, you're waiting anywhere from three to six months before those levels start to come down. A little bit of anxiety, kind of like like you said, almost like a, a woman's having a roid rage from having all that testosterone. Yeah, the testiness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Maybe not a full blown roid rage, but certainly a little bit more on edge than she might be. Uh, maybe a little bit more aggressive than usual um, by having that testosterone. And once, you know, like I said, once those, uh, pellets are implanted. You can't take. You can't go back in and take them
1: out.
0: And it's just like we had mentioned on that podcast with, about men and testosterone. When you do a lot of testosterone in a human being, those receptors for testosterone downregulate, and you never get the same effect that you did on the first pellet or the first injection so that's where we're trying to restore your own hormonal replacement or like you said maybe make it a nice subtle effect kind of like i call it like you know the frosting on the cake testosterone is not the cake you you make the hormones balanced with the female you work on their adrenal glands you work on their thyroid and the testosterone is just the frosting on the cake where you do too much testosterone then that's that's your leading hormone
2: yeah right so let's, let's talk about the numbers for a second. Okay, what uh, What is the reference range for female testosterone?
0: It's um, for total testosterone. So every, you know, all hormones are bound with a protein and then the protein comes off and then it becomes a free hormone. So the total testosterone goes from 2 to 45 and then that would convert into free testosterone, which the free testosterone reference range is 0.1 to 6.4. Every lab is a little bit different, give or take, but that's pretty much the basic.
2: Yeah, so the total 2 to 45, uh, you and I both, even some of the other therapies that we we just talked about woman's on pellets. Her testosterone is going to be in the hundreds, right? Can be 100, 200. You know, sometimes even higher than that. Oh
0: yeah, sometimes higher than you see in these fellas that come in with low testosterone. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. The women have higher testosterone than some of the men men do. I've seen them. You know, two, 250, 300. I mean, what's the highest? What's the highest? Testosterone I've seen it at
0: 800 for
2: a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I I did see. and I take that back. I did see 750. Maybe a, a year and a half or two years ago, she had just had pellets done. She didn't feel very good. She went through, you know, the whole, you know, she didn't tolerate it because it was just, you know, it was just way too much. Oh, good, yeah. Right, right. So, uh, what number? And I know we, you know, kind of have a similar idea. Obviously, we're, you because know, we're, we're talking about this. What number? Two to forty-five. Is that a a good range? Is forty-five a good number to shoot for, or are you um, on purpose trying to push that number a little well, higher? Well,
0: everyone's different. Like I said, two to forty-five is a ridiculously vast reference range. Everybody's going to fall into range on that, unless, like you said, they have polycystic ovarian syndrome and their testosterone's up to ninety or something. But it depends on the person. Usually, you know, I guess like you could say, I like to see it between 45 and 65. Some people do really well when you see it closer to 90. And then some people you have it at 45 and they're already breaking out because their skin is very sensitive. And then you might want to keep it down to 22. So it really depends on the person. Of course, when you're getting just an experience with doing a lot of blood work is I do find that on average women run around 25 and then their free testosterone is around two and a half. But so when I see it a little lower than that, I want to ask them about some of the symptoms they're having and possibly we want to boost that up. I always start off very low because it's so much easier to work your way up than it is to overshoot. And we'll talk about how we do that with because we use the creams. We use the transdermal creams, which are very convenient and very easy to dose. But I, for me personally, 45 to 65, and I like to see that free testosterone at least at two and a half up to maybe four and a half. You don't want to have it too much higher than that. But like I said, I have some women that have it higher And they feel amazing. It just depends on the person. You know, we take that subjective and that objective data and you put it all together.
2: Yeah, right. So if their number was higher than 45, let's say it was, you know, 75, 100, even 125 or 150, really, as long as they feel good and they're not having any of those negative uh, side effects that we talked about, the hair growth, the hair loss, the acne, as long as any of those things are not happening, it's okay for them to have a little bit of a higher level. So you're right. It's very, uh, and I've seen the same thing where some women can tolerate a whole bunch of testosterone. You know, what what I say is a whole bunch in a transdermal cream, you're talking maybe five to 10 milligrams. Where the patient I mentioned a few minutes ago that was getting injections, you know, she's getting 200 milligrams uh, a week, you know, so the numbers are quite a bit different. Where some women, they might only, uh, you know, start off on maybe one or two milligrams and that's too much. So you're right. I think it's very individualized. Some can tolerate a bunch. Some can tolerate very little. Some are in between. But the overall numbers of what they're going to use on a daily basis are relatively fairly small. Comparative to a man, a man's going to use several hundred milligrams on a daily basis. A woman is going to use, you know, uh, 20 times less, you know, 10, 20 times less than that, depending on the female.
0: Yeah. So don't ever mix up your testosterone cream with your husband's testosterone cream. <laughs> That would be a big mistake.
2: Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, If you're, and especially if your husband is actually taking testosterone, you want to make sure that he's, uh, you know, skin-to-skin contact between a man and a woman with a man taking testosterone hers is not going to cause him a problem even his her estrogen is not going to cause him a problem but his testosterone is going to cause everyone in the household problems the pets the kids the wife the girlfriend that's
0: pretty easy there's there's yeah that's pretty easy to take care of you don't see you don't see that too often unless they're not washing their hands or they're putting it all over their arms or something
2: yeah right Uh, or you know a lot of men we live in a you know very nice weather so men are wearing shorts a lot you know so pet Pets and grandkids or whatever can sit on your lap or something and rub off. I Um,
0: haven't really – honestly, I haven't seen that. I've only seen it more if they put it on their – bomb and then sit on the toilet seat and then transfer it to whoever comes over and sits on the toilet seat but really it's it's not that common and when you see it you can pretty much figure out what's going on
2: yeah you're right it's not a, it's not a huge deal but something no. at least just to pay attention to because sometimes men you know to be honest are a little bit clueless they don't really pay enough attention and that's usually when it seems like you know when you don't say anything about it you just you know kind of uh, forget to mention that's when it happens but usually you just make a couple of comments about it and then it's fine so the reference range 2 to 40 five uh, you said that in a you know non- hormone replacement situation, that number should be kind of in the middle of that range like in the mid20s somewhere.
0: That's just what I've seen and what I've learned but you know like I said every, everybody's different. but as you had mentioned with the creams, um, that is exactly what we use for females is we use a cream for females and what's nice about that is if it were too much, you just reduce the cream down. If it's too little, you just increase the cream up. So you can manipulate it really well and very quickly in terms of what their blood work is showing up. It's really nice.
2: Yeah. And you start in always, I think the way that all hormones should be dosed is you start low and you work your way up, as opposed to, like you said, the pellets you put in this dose and you just hope that it, it you do okay. Or even the injections, the injections are, you know, this idea that you give this huge bolus and then it kind of trickles down over time. Hormones don't really work like that. You know, hormones, you know, kind of change gradually over time in small amounts, not huge amounts, uh, huge dose changes. Uh, and like you said, with both the pellets or the injections, Men and women both, they feel good right away in the first you know couple of months, maybe the first six months. For women, I noticed, even men for that matter, they feel really good the first time they've had the pellets put in. then after that, they never feel the same. They feel like you know superheroes the first time and then after that they you know they just can't really quite ever get that feeling back uh, because as you said, the you know that receptor fatigue kind of kicks in and they never get the same response.
0: But, you know, it does sound convenient. You put a pellet in, you don't have to think about it. You get an injection, you don't have to think about it. With the creams, you have to do it every day, and a lot of times I'll do it twice a day because the creams have about a 12-hour half-life, so you put it on in the morning, and it's nice to put on in the evening because you build muscle while you're sleeping, so it's good to have that testosterone in the bloodstream while you're sleeping. So, you do, you know, it it is something you have to think about doing every day, but it's not that big a deal. I've never had anybody really complain about it, um, having to do it. I keep forgetting. I mean, we have all sorts of rituals and routines that we do every day on a daily basis. You just add that into it, you know, as part of your routine. One little um, little caveat there with the with the testosterone cream in the females is I always have them put it on the, either the back of the knee or the inner thigh because where you put the testosterone cream, it can grow a little hair. So if you put it on your arms like you read about online, oh, put all your hormone creams on your arms, which you wouldn't really want to do anyway because it's fat soluble and the skin on your arms is very thin. So it just goes in and goes out. But if you put it on your arms, I have seen some women that they have a little hairy arms because I'm like, you're supposed to put your testosterone on that inner thigh. Now, if they grow a lot of hair on that inner thigh, of course, we can just shave it off because we're girls. But if you don't like that, or you're not used to it, you can put it on the back of your knee, which doesn't have, which is a nice fat pad for good absorption, but it doesn't have any hair follicles.
2: Yeah. Wherever you apply it, you want to be, like you said, a little careful because sometimes the, the change in color to the hair is, you know, there's nothing you can really do about it. Oh,
0: and but if you put it on your head, especially you fellas, if you put it on your head, it won't grow hair. Yeah.
2: yeah <laughs> Otherwise,
0: yeah. they'd be lined up down the street around the corner. Yeah, right. <laughs> it yeah. Won't, yeah, you put it on the hair head, it won't grow your hair back. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. That seems like, it. you know, well, if it makes you grow hair, then, you yeah, know, right, but yeah. I don't know why it would be different. You know, It does make you grow hair in certain places, but if you, like you say, if you put it on your head and then it all just falls out. All right, so I think we can wrap this episode up. Again, a little bit different than uh, for, uh, for men, but yet uh, still a very popular therapy, but just some caveats to that to make sure that it's done properly, it's done right. So if you're already receiving it or if you're interested about it, I do think there's a lot of long-term benefits for women with testosterone. You know, Good for the bones, uh, yeah. good for maintaining muscle mass, great for your brain both from a, from a maintaining brain function, your brain's going to work better with a little bit more testosterone. So maybe a reduction in Alzheimer's and dementia, those types of things, and just keeping your brain sharp. That's always a, you know, always a nice thing, especially where people that are you know working and need to, need to rely on their brain a lot like we all do. So a lot of uh, kind of "Quote unquote" anti-aging benefits that that go beyond just the short-term things and more than just libido. I think it's a little bit more uh, comp- complex than that. That maybe sometimes people don't realize.
0: Yes. So if anybody has you know any questions or concerns or you think you might, you know, we like I said we, we treat people all over. Is you can give us a ring at 877-521-9779 or you can visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.
2: All right. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Progress Health Podcast. We'll catch you next time on another episode. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressYourHealth.com.